Awesome. Well, again, Julian, thank you for leading us today. Um, beautiful song. Love the words. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning again. Today, as we continue together, we are going to be uh, continuing conversation that I am calling, um, I've just forgot the name of it, <laughs> uh, Resolution. Okay, I didn't have the graphic in front of me. Uh, anyway, Resolution, that's the name of the series, and, and we started it last week. I didn't have a name for it last week, and so this is a time where we typically will engage with New Year's resolutions, and so I just want to kind of reframe this. So that's why it says, you know, our, our graphic uh, is, is really about solution. How can we think about this in a different way? And, and so we, as we began last week, we um, I talked about how you have been made for a purpose, and that there are two big purposes that you could pursue in your life, and one is community, which I think most people would agree with, that that really brings great purpose, whether you have a small group of friends or you're around a lot of people that you have great community with you, but another one is serving, serving others, and that one most people be like, I'm not so sure about this, and it's one of those things that unless you do it, you're not going to believe me that it brings great purpose in your life, unless you experience that. But God has made you to do both of those things, and it will bring you great purpose if you allow it. And so as we um, begin this year together, in a time where maybe you would engage in a New Year's resolution, I want to help us understand more about how important this is and how it will engage your heart, engage your mind, in many different ways, and bring meaning to you. And so when you go through January, usually this time of year, whether you're a resolution type of person or not, we usually think about the year ahead, and we think about the year that was, and we become painfully aware of who we are not, who we are not, what we didn't achieve. And the things that we wanted to see the year before, what we didn't make it, you know, like the, the goal or the bar that we set, you know, how we maybe fall, fell short and how that we could then do that better this year. So we become aware of that. And maybe this time around, you're, you know, you've, you're like, man, I fell short in a lot of things because the world was just harder to engage. And so maybe that wears on you a little bit. I am not Sure, but we typically ask this question or have this thought where we say, how can I make myself a better person? How can I make myself a better person? And those are, that's a good question to be asking. And there's nothing wrong with focusing on that all year. Unless you are a Christ follower. Unless you follow Christ, because that's not all that he's encouraged us to do. And I would say it's not a wrong thing at all to pursue that all year, unless you're really mad and frustrated about life right now. And you constantly find yourself in places where you're just not happy with things. And you're frustrated. Unless you want to find more meaning in your life, we need to begin to pursue a different Way. And that's what I want to lead us towards and encourage us to think about as we engage this year. And we're going to pursue this this week and then next week for just a three-week focus on this subject. And then as we engage February, we're going to invite you to take action steps, to pick one thing to begin to do 
that will help you discover this in your life. And we do this every February. We're going to invite you to take a step to engage outwardly and to serve in some kind of way this year, each month. And so that's going to be the invitation coming to us next month. And so to engage this more today and help you see more of what God is leading us to do, I want to read you uh, from a chapter from the book of Nehemiah. And so to understand this book, I want to bring a little context a little bit. Um, and so today, if you're not particularly religious or if you're Jewish or you have that kind of background in history, this is going to be an awesome day for you. Um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah actually is an ancient document that contains extraordinary, an extraordinary historical account featuring a Jewish man named Nehemiah. Not shocking there. And so this historical account was so important that the Jewish nation, they had protected it and eventually included it into the Jewish collection of sacred texts, which we call the Old Testament, and was eventually combined to be part of what we can now call the New Testament. As we, you know, once Christ came and we have the, all the New Testament writings, they, they looked at the Old Testament in such a new light and saw that it was all pointing towards Christ in incredible detail. And so in the book of Nehemiah, there are no miracles it's just good, old-fashioned hard work and leadership. And you see God using someone through, for his purposes. And so this story takes place during what is traditionally known as the Jewish exile. The Babylonians invaded Judah, which was the southern kingdom, and conquered Jerusalem and damaged the temple in the process, meaning that they could no longer uh, be bringing sacrifices, which is very important to them and what God had asked them to do. And so about 70 years later, the Persians controlled that part of the world. And so Cyrus the Great encouraged the Jews to return to Jerusalem and reinstituted their religion. And so they say around 50,000 of the Jewish nation left Babylon to do just that. And they ran into pushback. There were those that were locals in this area that that were threatened by this strong remnant that was coming back. And so it was not easy. But they finally constructed a temple. But it wasn't much of a temple. It wasn't much compared to the temple that they once knew and, and heard about that Solomon had built. That was so you know, majestic. It was kind of puny in comparison, but they had a temple. And things were not good overall for about 90 years. So even though all of this was taking place, God had made this nation a promise, and he keeps his promises. And as always the case, God uses a person to engage his plans. That's always the case. And I want you to remember that as we go throughout this morning, that he's always using a, per a person. So in B.C. 445, Nehemiah, a Jewish man whose diligence and discipline got him recognized by the king, had his heart stirred. He was facing a great tension, but he paid attention to that. And so I'm going to read one chapter from Nehemiah. It's not very long. And then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1 says here, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year. I dare you to try saying that really fast sometime. Anyway, he says, While I was in the citadel of Susa, now, this is a principal city of the Persians. This is a real place in time, a very real historical place and moment. And this is found in what we now know as modern-day Iran. 
So Nehemiah continues. He says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about the city of Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. He said, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And as I was walking through this this week, this immediately brought up recent images that we've been experiencing. Now, this is no, nothing compared to what, what uh, Nehemiah is hearing about. This is not apples to apples by any means. But, but reading these words where it says they were in great trouble and disgrace, the walls were torn down. It's just these images of our own capital being raided and just uh, just things being destroyed and and feeling like the fabric of things have been ripped apart. And then you think of the tension that we've been having. You think of um, just the co how COVID has impacted us and just kind of ripped things up. And there's such confusion that goes around it. And we're not sure of how things are going to go. We're not, we're not sure how to get back to a normal life and all those types of things. And then we think about all of the racial tensions and things that are still there very much. I think about with when it, we, even within our own Christian faith, there's, there's actions that are, being, that are being done that we do not like, that we're not liking what we see. And so there's turmoil, there's disgrace and trouble. I'm like, man, these emotions kind of resonate with me right now. And here, this is what Nehemiah said when he was confronted with this. He says, he says when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He says, for some days, for days, he says, I mourned and fasted and prayed before God, before the God of heaven. He was overwhelmed. He had no idea this was going on. This is all news to him of how bad the situation was. And so what does he do? He's lamenting to God. If you were with us last fall, we talked about how powerful and important it is for us to lament, to share our hearts to God. And listen to him do this. He's, he begins to pray. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He is speaking out in great faith of who God is. So important when we're lamenting. He says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. I love this attitude that he has before God, that he is his servant. He says, your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly against, towards you. I love the honesty, the humility to say this is our problem. We have created this. He says, we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He acknowledges 
their wickedness and how that had consequences, their role, their part of the brokenness they were experiencing. That is so key for us today to know is it's easy for us to blame others and to look to the problems of politicians, other people around us, Republicans, Democrats, religious people. It needs to start with us. He remembers the promises of God, but he also remembered how God said, but if you come back to me, I will gather them, no matter how far they are. This is a promise he made this nation of Israel. So he remembers all of this. And then he says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. This is a God who's still coming to redeem you and me even today. He says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Well, who is this man? Well, he lets us know. He says, I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was about to go and risk his life by asking the king for permission to leave his service to help rebuild his city and nation. He would also be leaving a comfortable life, which he did. The king did grant him permission to do this. He was leaving a comfortable life, an engaging purpose, engaging meaning, and engaging fulfillment, a greater joy, not just temporary happiness, but a greater enjoyment of life. It's always going to mean you're going to, it's going to require you to leave comfort. You're going to have to leave something behind that you want to be engaging in to pursue it. It will require you to leave some comfort behind. And that's not easy. And that's why we say, well, serving others to bring purpose, that, I don't think so. Like, unless you do it, you won't believe me. <laughs> and so we, we, many times this time of year, we are engaging the question of how can I make myself better and how can I improve and all these different things. So let's today, let's begin to ask a better question. Let's engage this in a different way. I want to ask you two questions. They're both work together. The first one is this, is what breaks your heart? What's making you distraught? What's bringing tension into your life? What do you see in the world and your city and things around you? What is breaking your heart? And the second question goes right along with it. It's, it's what needs to be done around me? In your world, in, in your lives, in the people that you interact with, that you can impact and influence. What needs to be done around me? If you really want to become a better person, you, you need to do something to make the world around you a better place. This is a Christian ethic that we've received from Christ. And any, anyone who wants to do that in the world, this is where it comes from. It's where this idea came. Isn't that amazing? 
Here's something we all know, but we all easily forget this, is that the people you respect the most are not the ones that devoted their lives to becoming the best versions of themselves. You admire the people who made a difference in others, in the world, or in someone's world. And if we don't do this, we just drift back to blaming and trying to find the problem, but that's really avoiding change. So what breaks your heart? What needs to be done around you? If you're not a Christ follower, this is optional. There's nothing saying that you have to do this, but if you are a Christ follower, it's not. This is the example that he gave us. He left heaven and came down to us. It was the example that he led with. He gave up everything he deserved, his glory, to sacrifice for you and me. And that was the example of what will bring freedom, what will bring greater joy. Jesus taught us the devotion of God. Is, is, how, how do we measure that? Well, it's measured in, in the action of our lives and our devotion to others and loving them. Jesus modeled this. He showed us that every person has inherent value because they are made in the image of God. Everyone has incredible value. And that ethic and value is what turned the world upside down. And it is our responsibility for our generation to continue this and to engage and to lead in this way. And this is something that we have that's significant that we have in common with Nehemiah. This is something that we share with him. His broken heart, that was by divine design. That's how God made him and made you and me to engage this world. And God was up to something. He was the one who burdened Nehemiah to participate in this incredible plan. And so Nehemiah returned in, a, in B.C. 444, as a year after this, to repair the wall. And it's an amazing story. You should read it sometime. It's great leadership principles. I teach out of it usually once a year. If, if anything, just for me to remember. But it's interesting that this wasn't the only thing happening in the story. This was after God had burdened Ezra to restore the people and reinstate their law, which is important at the time. This was after God had burdened, and this is a real name, Zerubbabel, to begin repairs to the temple about 90 years later. We should bring that name back. Anyway, all of this will be a sign to the nation that its time of exile was over and that God had not forgotten his people. His promises would be kept. And it was preparation, the beginning of the preparation for a future king whose name was Jesus, who would walk on those repaired streets and speak yet of another kingdom to come that would include us Gentiles, all of us. Nehemiah didn't know any of this. <laughs> he had no clue. He knew who he was. He knew the resources that he had and the burden that he could not 
escape. I don't know how we move forward in our world. I don't know how we solve all of these issues that we see. I have no clue. But I do know that I love this city, and that God has called me to be here as your pastor, and to lead us as a church family in this city, to love this city, whether they believe in God or not, and to engage them to be a place to help people find their way back to God, to live with our late neighbors, to love them and live life with them, to throw parties, to grieve, to mourn, to celebrate all of these things, and especially to serve them. In the New Testament scriptures, all these Apostles begin to just write out everything they had learned from Christ and to, and to write out his life, his story, so that we would know what it means to follow him and all this stuff. It teaches that as a Christ follower, you are part of a body, a family. And Christ is the head of this church, this body, this gathering of people. And when each member responds to the head in tandem with all the other members, amazing things happen. Incredible things happen. And the burden you've been called to address is part of this larger narrative. God is weaving a story. He is not finished. He's still going. And, he's, and his plan is to use you and me. That's how it all works. And it's in that larger story that our little stories take on significance. Like me and Nehemiah, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of this opportunity and decision to embrace these burdens in our hearts. That God has put in you. Six years ago, it feels like forever ago to me, but six years ago, that's it, we gave in to this burden to create a local church family in Jersey City called Downtown Community. We announced it on the first Sunday of 2015. We had been meeting over in the Hamilton Park neighborhood as an, essentially an overflow community coming out of a church in Hoboken. And they said, we think you should take this and run with it and become a church in Jersey City. And we did. We had no idea what we were doing <laughs> or if it would work or sustain. But we decided it was worth throwing the weight of our lives behind it. And since then, hundreds of you have shared that burden. And look where it's happened. It's still going. And, and as I think about it, and I talk with my wife Erin about it, and, and whenever I'm reflecting about it, I always think about, what if we hadn't tried? What if we said, you know what, let's just not do it? Like, there's no way. What? We think about the people who, people who were atheists, people who were far from God, who had a place to come back and to ask questions and to engage Him, and, and those who have been baptized, and those who said, I had walked away from church, but now I, I found a way to engage again. All of you who are with us now, what if we hadn't done that? 
and think about the incredible opportunities you have to engage with your life now. It goes so much beyond the superficial or, 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 or money things that we pursue. How much money is in our checking account? How comfortable my life is? All those things seem so superficial when we think about the incredible opportunities that God has given us to engage, to engage. So today, downtown community, what breaks your heart? What needs to be done around you? There's more to you than a better body or a balance sheet. There's a world that is longing for us to engage and to serve them. There's a joy and a purpose, no matter the circumstances in you, around you, that can be found even when life is painful or hard, you can find joy and fulfillment if we engage these purposes together. I want to encourage you to do that. This week, find one way to serve somebody else. It's a great place to start. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for these incredible words, this amazing story in history that we have today to encourage us. Father, I pray that you would give us the faith to take steps to believe and see this in our own lives. I pray with the, for the joy set before us that we would engage and serve the world just like you served us for the joy that we have in you now. Thank you and ask all of this in your name. Amen.